Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Okay, you guys, welcome back to the Best Life Podcast with another episode. Super pumped because we are talking all about how to follow your dreams, follow your passion. How do you know what your dreams are? How do you know what your passion and your purpose is? I know for me, a lot of I felt a lot of shame around not knowing these things, and we're pumped because we are here with uh, guest Danny Coleman, who you guys, most of you know, is my brother. He's also a member of the unofficial Jill Fit Dorm crew, and (laughs) I know that he has a lot of thoughts on this, so welcome, Dan. It's good to be here. No way to get anywhere like a (laughs) self-invite. Walk in the door, grab a headset, sit down, all of a sudden you're on the podcast. All of a sudden, yep. Danny's good good people and good conversation. I can't wait. Yeah, no, we are excited because... um, we think that these conversations don't have to be so formal as usual. We'll just keep it conversation. We'll keep it light. We'll keep it shorter today. Uh, so why, Danny, did you want to do this episode? Yeah, so funny. So I was in Nashville. I had my mastermind weekend with some girls, and I met someone this week, that weekend named Troy Olson, and he's a songwriter. He was uh, living on Music Row, writing songs with, you know, big, big people like Blake Shelton and all these like big country stars. And so we did this little fake impromptu podcast there because he had a recording studio, although we didn't even record it. But I was asking him about his past and he's very successful in the music writing industry. And I said, well, how did you know that's what you wanted to do? And he said, this is just, it's just what I always wanted to do. And he gave up everything, like basically dropped out of high school to become a music writer, moved to Nashville and do this. And I go, well, what if you don't know that's what you want to do? What if you don't know if that's your passion? And he kept arguing that everyone knows what their dream is. Everybody has a dream and everyone knows their passion. And I thought, no, I don't really think so. And so I kind of think that there's, I feel like there's the Taylor Swifts in the world, the people who literally just maybe have this talent, have a skill. They always knew growing up, I want to be a singer or I want to be an artist. I want to be a dancer. And from the time they're a little girl, little boy, they had that dream. And then I believe there's, another group of people who maybe has some passions. Maybe they're like, I really like science or I like Or even skill set maybe. Sure. Yeah. Like a, a skill set or a passion and they, and they go to school and they become a teacher. They go to school and they become a lawyer. They're like, you know, I like law or I like, I like science. And so I think I'm going to do this. And then they figure it out as they go and they become a chemist or a, a pediatrician. And then I think there's a much larger group of people who maybe have different passions, but nothing that's really specific to what they want to do. And they're a little bit lost. And they, if you said, what's your dream, they don't really have that in the back of their mind. Like they know what they want out of life, or maybe they just have some little ideas, but they're not super, super, um, clear on it. And I feel like I was one of those people. And if you guys heard my adoption episode, I really didn't think I would live past 20 years old. So for a long time, I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I didn't have any aspirations of what I wanted to be when I grew up because I didn't think I was going to grow up. So I wanted to talk about this when Troy was saying, you just follow your dreams. I said, do we actually follow our dreams or do we have to create our dreams? So that's why I really wanted to talk about this. And I'm super excited to like to have this conversation. Yeah. So, okay. So first question for the group is, is there a difference between passion 
like to me, following your dreams, following your passion, similar, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. what that looks like. Maybe mm-hmm. you guys feel like that's different. Is what's the difference between passion and purpose? Damn, that's a big question. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I want to harp back on what Danny was saying first because I think she's absolutely right. Because the question that you guys asked me when we started the podcast was, do you think you create your dreams? Or do you follow your dreams? And I definitely think the answer is both. Mm-hmm. And that's so for the for the group to the Taylor Swifts of the world to use mm-hmm. your example or the the Troys mm-hmm. of the world. Or yeah, even like the Kelsey Walshes. Well, I was gonna yeah. So my girlfriend and my brother both are professional dancers. They live they live out their dreams, their childhood dreams in the yeah. most literal sense. But if you listen closely, there were plenty of times when I, I'll speak for Kels. Uh, she wanted to quit dance. Mm-hmm. And there is, there is this moment where there is no passion. It feels like work. It feels like a grind. But if you ask her now, she only looks back with hindsight and goes, it's always been my passion because it's all she's ever done. And she, it's all she was ever really good at. So I think it starts with interest and skill yeah. and then persistence because I think there's always a lull. And if you read biographies like uh, the Mike Tysons of the world, he had to get forced into boxing. True. The Andre Agassiz of the world had to get forced by their parents into tennis. I know that yep. I'm not super familiar, but I've heard through the grapevine of the Williams sisters, Serena and oh. Venus Williams. Same thing. Their father was like super hard on them. Uh, Tiger Woods, father, super hard on them. So there's this element of, yes, there's interest first. Then you develop skill. And then you're going to hit a lull. And if you go through that lull, that's when I think people start really hitting their passion. But I think if you just give people the advice, follow your passion, you're going to leave a lot of people behind because people are going, I don't know what the fuck my passion is. Yeah. And they feel, and they can feel a lot of shame around that. Is there something wrong with me? What's going on? Why don't I have a passion? I see them living their passion. But meanwhile, they miss all the elements of trial and error. Like, yeah. Brandon tried a lot of shit. My brother tried a lot of shit before dance. He painted and he sculpted and he did theater and he ran for student government and he did a lot of shit and then dance just stuck. So it's almost, it starts, I think, with interest and passion is something you develop. But I think if you ask the Troys of the world, they tend to ignore that because Kels does. She ignores it. Yeah. She just goes, this is my passion always was. And you go, was it really? Well, I think I love the point that you brought up about it's not always easy. Because I think it's easy to go, well, if this is my true passion, it should feel easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. If it's my it's a th- if it's my dream, then I'll do whatever it takes yep. to get there. Yep. And to your point, I think sometimes if you run up against some, and you're going to, right? Anytime yep. you're going to be like an elite level anything, yep. you're going to get to the elite level, that 1% level that not a lot of people are willing to go through. And we, uh, you know, you guys know I teach online business. And to me, I'm like, not everyone gets to be a multiple six-figure, seven-figure online entrepreneur because mm-hmm. there's moments in time where you want to quit. And guess what? Most people do. And it doesn't mean that you're not excited about it. It's just like, maybe that's not necessarily your dream because precisely because you're not willing to go through the toughest aspects. Yeah. And so what do you say to someone who has a dream or has a passion, but maybe they don't, they lack the skill? Is there a moment in time where you just go, it's not in the cards for you? Well, I think everybody, well, I don't think anyone has the skill all, I think we all have the like rudimentary elements of the skill, right? And you have to develop skill. Now, let's just say your passion is basketball and <laughs> you're five foot four, then what to that person, regardless of skill, they're probably not going to do well. So you're going to have to say, let's go, let's look at something else. But in the grander scheme of things, I think people can have a passion and no skill. Like there's a dance specifically, we could go back to there. There, I'm Brandon and Kelsey weren't amazing dancers from day one, I'm sure. Um, and I'm sure that they've they've put in hours and hours and hours. And anybody who's doing really well, who's like 
following their dreams, I think they've put in the hours. And that's the one part we don't really see. And actually, even that you mentioned it, I'm sure Taylor Swift's probably hated it and said, I don't want to do this, Mm -hmm. but I'm good at it. And people have pushed her. And I think that for every person who's really crushing it, there has to be people behind them saying, reminding them, Mm -hmm. hey, you are good at this. Hey, this is something you need to be doing. And maybe it's just a calling, like you feel called to do it, even though sometimes you want to quit, sometimes you hate it. You're passionate about it at one point, but you're not always going to have passion all the time. I think that um, for me, my passions changed a lot and still do. I mean, honestly, my passions still change. I try to still follow those, but sometimes we get distracted by following our passions until it gets hard and then we quit. And I think that's the trick. Or just like, let's let's talk about the viability of that, right? So I think like you and I, all three of us are multi multi-passionate. We have a lot of different things that we want to get into. I'm curious about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But because I'm so multi-passionate, will I ever get to the point that I'm going to be a lead at any of them Mm. if I don't focus? Mm -hmm. So what's the viability of your dream? Is it viable? Can you make money at it? Like to make a living, right? I can say I'm passionate about dance, but if I'm not making money at it, I'm probably not going to keep doing it. Sure. Yeah, I was going to say, you don't, I mean, who says that our passions have to be our careers too? Like there's, I mean, I'm a very skilled dancer myself. (laughs) And I'm very passionate about it, but I just do it on the club on a Saturday night. I don't, I don't have any dreams of making money at it and that's okay. And I think that's, that's another block that a lot of people run into. And the other thing I wanted to add on too, is that I think skill is underrated. Like actually being good at something makes you like it more. Like you stumble into something, you just are naturally good at it. That makes you want to practice more, which makes you get more skilled at it, which makes you want to practice more and then get more skilled. And all of a sudden you've been doing this. Your brain goes, your brain's been watching you for a decade, right? And you're practicing and you're developing skills. So your brain comes to the natural conclusion that, oh, I must like this. Otherwise, why would I put in all these hours? And then there's this perpetual cycle. So it actually started with a little bit of interest. Maybe maybe not. Maybe you're just really fucking good. And that developed into your passion too. And I think all that stuff is overlooked for like more of the the woo woo yay rah rah crowd yeah. which by the way I love the rah rah crowd but <laughs> I think it can be it can be detrimental to a point if you're just like follow your passion follow your passion and leave out all the other stuff. Yeah. And also you're- I think that just even the wording follow your passion this is something that I have a little bit of an issue with because I think it's one of those things that if it's your passion and if you're thinking about it all the time that is just going to be made a reality and that's just not that's not the case. I think it is about, yes, like identifying, but I think not identifying so much as creating. To your point, like, hey, I'm good at this. Um, I enjoy this and I'm getting better at this. It's that feed forward cycle that you mentioned, Dan, and going like, there's some, there's viability here. And it's also a way for, you know, me to take action. I think that, that sometimes just follow your dreams, follow your dreams, follow your dreams, having maybe the shame around, I don't know what my dreams are, or if I know what they are, but I'm not taking action. And I don't have that tenacity and I yep. don't practice that resiliency and I'm not like, you know, taking those scary steps to get better. You know, Dan and Kels, I mean, I'm sorry, Kelsey and Brandon, professional dancers, there's a whole lot of things that they have been willing to do that the three of us would never have the courage to do. Getting yep. in front of huge audiences, trying movements that could potentially put them, make get them injured or, you know, or compromise their health or like all those kind of things. There's just things that I'm not willing to do because it's not my passion. And so when you get to that place of, you know, can I sustain this? Am I willing to go through the hurt and the pain of it? And then am I willing to take the action steps? And if you keep saying this is my passion, but you keep not taking the steps, then it's probably not your passion. Yeah. I think sometimes too, our dream 
actually has like what Dan to Dan's point about not making money on your passions and your dreams. Sometimes our dreams are really just a lifestyle that we want and we can take a completely different path to get there. So that podcast, I was also sitting there with my friend Corey, who's successful in his own right. He works for a medical device sales company. And so I was telling Troy, like, listen, you are saying that you follow your dreams and everybody knows, and you're just going to be successful because you never give up and you never quit. But I'm thinking, I don't think Corey was sitting there thinking his whole life, I'm going to grow up and be a medical device salesperson. (laughs) As many people in jobs that are listening to this do, like I work at a bank or I work, you know, like we didn't probably grow up thinking this is what we were going to do yet. We take, we want to be really successful, like the best at the job that we have, the best at what we're doing so that we can lead the lifestyle, which that we want, which might be having a, being a really amazing mom, being a really amazing dad, traveling all over the world, doing stuff that's really fun that we are passionate about, but not necessarily doing that for our job. We're using our job to create the life and create the dreams from like what we're doing. It's kind of like, it's a little bit of a reverse engineered way to do it. And I think that both ways are really valid. And I think sometimes we get, we get I don't know, I get a lot of women who are like, I don't like my job but they have a really fun life. Like they get to travel a lot. They have flexibility in their jobs. And I'm going, why would you want to quit when really you love who you're working with? You love who you're working for. It's not maybe not your like dream idea that you're changing the world, but you can change the world on your off time. You could change the world with all your relationships. I think we get stuck thinking that our job has to be that one thing. And then we get all wrapped up going, well, what is the one thing I don't know? And now I'm in this mid mid life crisis, identity crisis. And yet really the life you're creating is the life that you want. It's just the job isn't what you thought it was going to be. And we're really bad at predicting what we want. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, reading, I'm reading this book. It's called Stumbling on Happiness. And the whole book is basically about how humans are, we are terrible at predicting the future and terrible at remembering the past. So mm-hmm. we misremember the past as happier than it really was. And we look to the future as it's going to be better than it really is. And I remember for a personal story, I was in high school, I played, I played basketball and my coach was like a pretty intense coach. He, and it, I think he coaches in college now, division three is like, he's very serious. And I remember there were these kids in the hallway who like played pickup basketball a couple times a week at the YMCA. And they'd be like, man, I just, I just wish that I was on the basketball team. And meanwhile, I'm going, motherfucker, we we wake up every Saturday morning <laughs> while you're sleeping in watching college yeah. football. We have a three-hour practice. We have games Friday nights, an hour north of Houston. So while all, all your friends are going out, having fun, meeting girls, you're, you're on a, a school bus with 20 other guys who smell funny. And you don't get back till 1130 and you're exhausted. You want to go to bed. So like there's a lot that we we look and we see like I think Internet entrepreneurs are a perfect example. You look and you all you see is a perfect example. Like, damn, that is what I want. I want to travel and do this and that. But I don't want to create content. I don't want to put myself out on the Internet. I don't want to be on Instagram. I don't want to be on this social media. I don't want people coming to me for coaching. Like You're going, okay, then you can't have it. Yeah. So I do think. Take, I think the best advice that uh, I would at least offer my peers, fellow twenty-somethings who are really lost, is just to try a bunch of shit mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. in low-risk situations, like do a temp job and just see. Yep. And you'll find pieces that you like. So you're so so to answer the original question, I do think we create our passions because we find out what we don't like when we try stuff. Yep. But we go, wait, I like this one little element. I like that. Like for me, I work from home and I'm discovering I hate working from home. Mm-hmm. It's way too lonely. I love the actual work. Mm-hmm. 
but I don't like working from home. So how can I adjust to not work from home? So you start making these adjustments and eventually yeah. you're sitting there at 50 and you have created a passion. You go, whoa, how'd I do that? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And this came up a couple of times before, but it made me re- remember about, you know what you don't want. So you just, it's literally just like crossing stuff off the list. Mm-hmm. Nope, don't want this, don't want this, don't want this. And it's kind of like, what are you left with? So let me ask this question to you guys. It's been said that it, that if you say, keep saying you don't have enough time or you keep saying you keep not doing something, mm-hmm. that it's not a time problem. It's a passion problem. So as an example, um, I've been saying literally, and I'm, I'm actually embarrassed that I keep saying it. I'm actually not going to say it anymore, but I keep saying I want to write a book. Mm-hmm. And I've been saying that since 2013. In fact, I hired an editor in, for $7,500 in 2013 to help me write this book proposal, yep. right? Yep. And I, we didn't do it. So I, not only did I say it, and then I actually spent money on it, yep. which is insane, and I still haven't done it. Does that mean I don't want to do it, or is it just... Like, so what does that actually mean? <laughs> well, I'm like, at what point boat. are you a hypocrite? Okay, you know what's funny? <laughs> I forgot. I actually paid a woman $2,500 that came out here for coaching in Santa Monica for my book writing, too. So I don't know specifically on that. And Still maybe, waiting on the books, but Dan's, uh, yeah. get, Dan's writing a book right now. I know. That's why we got to get on it. Dan's writing his book. But right I say now. I'm going to do a lot of other stuff and never do it. <laughs> So I don't know if those things specifically, I think those might just be human procrastination kind of thing, or I don't know, maybe it's just uh, not being able to get it out in the, in the marketplace. But I, I really do think that, um, <laughs> I do think that when you do, when you do really want something, you'll get it done. Um, when you do really want something to happen for whatever reason, like you do make the time, you do discipline yourself, but I don't know. I mean, I do really want to write a book and I know you really do too. So I don't know what that is. And it's not that we have trouble writing. I mean, I've never written 700 something blogs. Totally. Totally. I think the idea of a book is overwhelmed. I think sometimes we can get overwhelmed with how the house of some things that we sometimes just avoid doing it, but that doesn't mean it's, we don't want to. I'm passionate about writing, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky one there. It is a tricky one. I don't know the answer to that one, but I do. I've been thinking a lot about this sort of thing lately and it frankly like it feels good to dream like it feels good to imagine and daydream and think about what it'd be like walk into a barnes and noble and your books on the shelf and it's out of it's out of stock because so many people are buying like (laughs) that stuff is fun to do but i just edited i got my book back from the editor who tore that thing up Mm -hmm. and that was not fun like i was going line by line rewriting things pretty sure i got carpal tunnel like it's not fun (laughs) actually doing the actual work so Mm -hmm. i i don't know that that's what you guys are dealing with necessarily i think there's just you guys have so many projects i think it's a priority problem yeah personally Mm -hmm. like you guys have just so much going on with the podcast yeah you guys have so much going on but i do think i know for me I've avoided doing a lot of things because it just feels better to dream about it. And yeah. then, but if you ever actually do it, now you're putting yourself out there and going, wow, I could actually fail. I could actually be yeah. bad at this. I could actually get criticism. No one's going to criticize me inside my own head while I'm painting a picture of my, my millions and my best selling book and whatever else I'm it's such a good dreaming about. Yeah. So it's like, are you passionate about the outcome? Right. Or are you passionate about the day-to-day grind? So one of the books that I know that I think all three of us have read is um, The Ar- the War of Art. Yeah. And I love Pressfield. Mm-hmm. It's just like, sit your ass in the chair. You are not a professional at that thing unless you are doing the daily work. 
So I might say, oh, I'm an entrepreneur or whatever, but if I'm not actually doing the things that an entrepreneur does, like that's not my passion. The daily work is the sucky part though. That's the whole thing that nobody wants to do. We that's all why do it's want the one, the those one percent are actions. Yeah. We all want the outcomes. Uh, you know, the slight edge, Jeff Olson's book, he talks about mastering the mundane mm-hmm. and Love you that. look at successful people and what they've done is not anything that any of us can't do. It's the little things over and over and over and over. And I remember in fitness, it was, you know, my clients all want to know what's the secret. How did you get abs? I'm like, I worked out four days a week for the last three, four five years. Like you're just consistent. You're just consistent. It's not how many crunches. I didn't even do crunches. I'm like, I have six packs abs and I'm going to show you, I'm not going to do a crunch. And I haven't even done a crunch maybe like for seven years. I don't know, but it's, you just, it's consistency and nobody wants to be consistent. But honestly, when it comes to our dreams, we can have, have to big, big dreams, in. but we really have to go back to the baby stuff. And that's why I wrote the email on, you don't follow your dreams. You create and pursue them relentlessly because yeah. it really is about, you know, if I had to ask you guys, what do you think your passion is? For me, if I look at my actions, if I look at the whole history of my life, it's fitness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got my first gym, my first job at 15 and I've always made decisions to stay in fitness, even when it was unpopular, even when I was making zero money, even when I was grinding at 4am, like I've always made decisions to stay in fitness. And so for me, I guess it's as much as I love business and I'm moving in that direction. For me, it's, it's definitely always comes down to getting in the gym. You know, it's, I like that you said that because that's probably the difference. Even though you and I both started in fitness, when I started to get out of it, I had this major identity crisis and I called it my brand identity crisis. And I was sitting there going, well, what is it that I actually love? And it wasn't fitness. It was helping people. Mm. And so I realized that I was helping people through fitness, but fitness wasn't actually the passion. It was the people part. And so I've been able to shift and move in another direction. As long as I still feel like I'm helping people then I'm following my passion. And so I I did struggle with it because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm doing something totally different, but I'm not doing something totally different. It's just a different way to help people. That's a great point. I actually had a a very similar experience with personal training. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people do with personal training. That's why you see a lot of fitness people evolve into different types of entrepreneurs because when I was personal training, I remember it being like, I hate talking about macronutrients Mm -hmm. and carbohydrates and how my blood sugar alters on a Tuesday at four when I'm, if I fast, like that stuff just never interested. But what did was uh, connection with people and also the psychology of change. I'm like, what is it that makes some people get results? It's not carbs. Mm-hmm. Something is, <laughs> is different about people who get results. And I, it wouldn't be a correct appearance if I didn't shout out my man, Mark Manson. When I say my man, I mean, I just love him. I don't know him at all. But he does say, he goes, what kind of olive do you want on your shit sandwich? So (laughs) like we all love working out, but a lot, but we actually, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I won't speak for you guys, but I actually genuinely love to sweat. Yep. I actually genuinely love like the muscle pain. Um, I genuinely love how it makes me feel. So like the downsides, like I actually like the downsides. Most people don't like fitness. I like go, I like the gym environment. Mm -hmm. I like everybody looking at themselves and looking at each other. I'd love it all. I love, smelly protein shake bottles. No, I'm just that. Nobody loves that. <laughs> but I think it's a good question because I think that you do have to, you have to think about the trade-offs because I gen, what, what kind of olive do you want in your shit, shit sandwich? Like what kind of pain do you actually, are you actually okay with? Mm. Like Kels, I know likes to a certain extent, likes the pain of stretching beyond a, what a normal person should be stretching <laughs> and doing like you with gymnastics, right? Yep, yep. I mean, there's a certain element you have to like 
the not so good parts. You like, like you love posting on social media. Yep. You know, at all hours of the day. And you've <laughs> grown to actually genuinely like that. And that's yep. that I think is a key distinction because it's not going to be all sun, sunflowers and rainbows. Sunflowers? Sunshine. Sunshine and sunflowers. There could, could be, be sunflowers. sunflowers. Yeah, yeah there's sunflowers. Sunflower seeds. All the time. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> so I love that. So yours is psychology of change. And connection. Yeah, and so connection. I love well, you're writing a book on that. connection. And I'm writing yep. a book on connection, which is my is my passion. And odd, not oddly enough, sure enough, it was the easiest writing experience I've ever had. Because it just like poured out because I've been thinking yep. about it. And I didn't even realize I was thinking about it. Yep. All those years of personal training, I wasn't really making any progress as a personal trainer. I was actually a very bad personal trainer. <laughs> but people kept coming back because... You made them feel the connection. Yeah, it was more like they're paying for friendship than yeah. paying for yeah. fit. Yeah, that, we break a sweat. And- that's what I loved about training too. I loved seeing transformation. And it, actually, I like that psychology of change because I, I actually did an audio recording back in the Sweaty Buddies days um, called Deciding to Change because I, was, I had all these clients. I, in general, put them on the same kind of meal plan, workout kind of things. But some made res- some got results and some didn't. And I realized it just came down to making a decision. There was some kind of psychology behind that. And so that tended to, I realized that that was more of my passion, the, the thought process behind things versus the actual work. And I love working out and all that. But back to the whole conversation of what Dan said of trying things out and seeing how it fits is I had a gal call me on the phone last week. She was like, Danny, I, like, how did you get to do what you were doing? Like, I hate my job right now. I want to do something different. I want to have a lifestyle that I can take my son on these vacations and do all this stuff. How did you do it? And I said, honestly, I did a lot of stuff I didn't like over and over until I realized I don't like that. I'm not doing that anymore. Didn't like that. I'm not doing that anymore. And Jill and I were on a walk this morning talking about how we did the grind of the fitness um, stuff, which we loved, but we also didn't love the working 5 a.m. Five to 8 p.m., like these long, long days and hours. So I do really think that in order to follow your passion, find your dreams, create them, whatever, you do have to end up doing some things you don't like to know if this is what you want Because that's the thing, right? It's like, okay, so it's like, I'm going to try all these things. And what if I quit at all of them? Does that mean You just that... keep going. You just find something Well, out. that's the thing, right? Because like, is there a point at which you should keep going? And you're like, or you're just a quitter. I know like mm-hmm. a lot of us maybe have some shame around or guilt around quitting things maybe mm-hmm. prematurely like how do you mm-hmm. know how do you know when Dang. you should stick something out versus Dang. quit something because to me like there's a lot of shit you should quit i know a lot of people who are doing a lot of stuff that they should have quit yeah. five years ago i think that's when it really is important to have a mentor or a coach because there are people who told me to not quit certain things that i was good at that i wanted to give up just because i was feeling exhausted you know like let's say kels too i'm sure she wanted to quit dance a million times mm-hmm. i wanted to quit gymnastics a million times and my mom was like i'm not letting you quit because you're good at it and i was but i was tired and i was in high school and i wanted to hang out with my friends and i wanted to do all these things and she's like you are going you're I'm taking you to practice and i'm so glad she did because later on i was able to become an acrobat and i had these experiences i was able to coach that i never would have been able to do had i quit the first time I said I wanted to quit or the second or the third or the fourth because I wanted to quit many times. So I think someone who can actually recognize your potential and what you're doing needs to, you need to have those people in your circle and also the people who can be honest and be like, hey, you know what? You probably should quit this. Like it's not, you don't need to keep pressure, pushing it and and Because when you just become that. a martyr, right? Like yeah. for something because you're like, I need to stick it out. And you're yeah. like, well, why do you yeah. actually need to stick it out? Because I mean, you and I have seen, like Jill and I, I'm sure we've seen friends or had clients who are, we can look at them and go, you know what? This isn't where you should be. And so you got to find somebody who can be honest with you. And the person who could be honest, like I want 
like Jill and I were talking about the book thing this year. We're like, okay, we got to stay on each other for it because I know she could do it. I know I can do it. But if we were really shitty writers and we were really bad at like English language and we had nothing to say that nobody cared about, maybe somebody should say, hey, girls, yeah, maybe you should go back to working at the bank and not write a book. And I would appreciate that. Um, but I do think you do you do need to have mentors or coaches or people in your life that see you for your potential, that don't let you quit on the things you shouldn't be quitting at, and that maybe give you the feedback that maybe it's time to throw in the boots on the, you know, the dancing and, and get back to <laughs> doing your real life stuff. You know what applies here is uh, we were at Jill's Mastermind this weekend, and Chris Harder spoke, and he shared the one-year rule. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that applies to this question. So his the one-year rule for him was when you – it was talking about money and finances. If you want something like a big a house or to move somewhere, he goes, wait one more year and that will make you that much more prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And it will make sure that you really do want it. And I thought that was a good tip. And I think it actually applies here to some extent. Maybe it's not the one-year rule, but mm-hmm. I would say – the the moment you want to quit, like say a new job or a lot of people. Everyone uh, wants to quit their, their job. Everyone first wants to quit. The, yeah. The first six months, you're like, I hate this job. I would, I would come up with, it doesn't have to be the one year rule, but I would say the six month rule because oftentimes you're just having a bad week yeah. or a bad month even, yeah. um, or you're still learning the ropes. You're still developing skills. Uh-huh. And there's actually, I was reading research this morning in psychology and we never regret the things that we do. We only regret the things that we don't do. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We only, we, no one ever wakes up and be like, damn, I wish, I mean, yes, if you, if you drove drunk and, and hit somebody, you'd be like, damn, I wish I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. But when you're talking about legal pursuits, Risks, right? When you're talking yeah. about things you're trying, we don't, we don't tend to regret things we tried. We only regret because we wonder what, what if, if? Mm. what if I try? At least if you try, you know, you go, yeah. I'm so glad I tried. And there's plenty, plenty of events in my life where I'm like, damn, I wish someone was like, you can quit, but six months from now, or you yeah. can quit one year from now. Cause yeah. there are things where I'm like, I wish I stuck that out just to see what that looks like. Yeah. No, I love that. And I think that's, you know, it's such an individual. I love that you, you know, mentioned a trusted mentor because I think sometimes yeah, I think we're, when we're in it, we just can't see it. We're so emotionally yeah. hijacked. We just hate everything. And so I love that. And I do think, um, you know, applying that rule is, is really smart to do too. So in terms of creating versus following your dreams, I do think it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah. But I think we may, I think the mistake is just assuming that it's going to come from nowhere. Like yeah. you have to do the work, right? You have to, you have to try a lot of things. You have to see, you know, get advice. You have to ask people, you have to, uh, you know, stick your neck out at times. You have to push through the grind a little bit. Like, I think you have to do some of that really tough work to figure out if it is versus the second you run up on a little bit of resistance, go, well, I guess it's not my dream. Cause if it was, it'd be easy the whole time. And I think yep. that's a huge misconception. In fact, if you ask people who have are at the highest levels of success and whatever that looks like, probably most of the time it was uncomfortable because people weren't willing to push through. And so, you know, asking yourself, and I think it's individual too. Yeah. hundred percent. I really love this. I, I'd love to hear other people's, you know, people who've maybe, thought from a young age that they had this dream that they pursued because that's because that wasn't my experience. I'm really, and because it seems like none of us really had the one from, from a young age, I want to hear a couple more conversations, maybe in the, mm. in the Facebook group of people who are just like, I always knew I've this always was known. my thing yeah. because I just, 
I'm curious about that, how that feels. Cause I used to be kind of almost jealous about that. I thought, gosh, if I just, it'd be so much easier if I just woke up and I had this amazing talent, like I was an artist and then I just knew I was going to draw and, and, but it just never was that. And I think it's not always a talent either. A talent doesn't equal a passion. Sometimes a talent is just a talent and your passion is, is something else. Mm-hmm. And then like what Dan said too, is that doesn't also mean that that's what you're going to make your money on, on right. your talent or your passion. And that's okay. Yeah. I think there's a lot of pressure to be like, you have to make money off your passion yep. and maybe not explicitly like sure. that. But I do think there's pressure when you say follow your passion or vice versa, someone is living their passion. They're like, look at me. I'm living my passion. Yeah. Just follow, follow yeah. what I do. There can be, a, there can be a lot of, of mental blocks. If you just, I would actually say, don't follow your passion. I would say, <laughs> follow your interests yeah. and let go and fuck following your passion. And I would argue that you'll 20 years ago by and you're like, wow, I'm living my passion. Cause yeah. just cause you pursued your interest and then you kind of shape that picture. I love it. Are you guys, I definitely am interested in that too. I'm, I've definitely never been someone who's been super laser focused about uh, something I wanted to do and I want to hear from you guys. So go to thebestlifepodcast.com and join the conversation on our closed Facebook group. Uh, if you guys like this kind of content, please leave us a review. Let us know. Hit us up on social media at the Best Life Podcast on Instagram. And if you guys share the episode, give us your two cents. Where do you fall on this line? I mean, I think for us, it's, it's an awesome discussion. I don't think there's a right or wrong way. But I want to just reaffirm that you, if you don't feel like you have a passion, you're, you're actually more in the majority than in the minority. It's yes. normal. Do not feel guilty over that. Don't feel. So when you see people who are successful saying, you know, purpose and meaning and these kind of things. And if you don't know what those are for you, that's cool. And that's totally fine. And most people don't. And I think for a lot of us, it changes from day to day, week to week. So <laughs> yeah. anyway, it's okay to be multi-passionate. So let us know what you guys think. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dan, for being on. So good to be here. All right, you guys. See you soon.